What a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm going to tell you some of the story of what's happened to me over the last few days and, and weeks. Um, but I would like to start off just with the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. In uh, the New Living Translation, it says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. When we continue a little bit further on in the same chapter, in, in verse uh, 23, it continues with this, and it says, I have a right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So, uh, on the 1st of August, I uh, was living a normal day, and in the afternoon, I, I took Nathania, my daughter, to the beach to go and surf. I dropped her <clears throat> to surf, and then uh, I went to pick up uh, Sammy, uh, Layla's friend, um, and uh, Nick and Sammy were going to come with me back to my house so Layla could have a play date and I could have a, a play date, I mean a coffee date. And as they got in the car, I started to feel very unwell. Um, I felt this pressure on my chest, I felt pain in my chest and in my left arm and uh, initially I thought it was heartburn very bad heartburn, and uh, I said, oh, I'm not feeling well, and then I started sweating uh, profusely and uh, feeling tremendously sick, um, and so Nick said, you know, he didn't say, I'll drive, he just said, drive faster, go home, you yeah? <laughs> know, thanks for that, <clears throat> so we, we drove home as fast as I could, and I just kind of stumbled into the, into the kitchen, and I, and I lay down on the, on the couch, uh, right there and called for Annie and Annie thought uh, Nick and I were pulling a prank on her so she didn't come when I called the first time and then she heard the panic in my voice the second time and she came and uh, she gave me a gaviscon you know as as all good doctors do <laughs> <laughs> and when the gaviscon didn't help and I and I was just feeling worse and worse uh, she said, listen, you need to go to the emergency. And she phoned the, the doctors and the medical, and they just said, get him to the nearest hospital. And uh, we jumped in the car, and, and Nick drove this time um, much faster than my Bucky has ever driven before. And they took me to uh, Bloberg Netcare. And when we got there, they gave me this white um, fluid in an injection and uh, stuff to, to, to drink to stop any heart attack, and they did some initial tests. Um, and, uh, and they stuck these patches on me, and I'm quite hairy. <clears throat> um, and the initial ECG was fine, and the initial um, um, enzyme, there we go, the enzyme test was fine, and uh, I started to feel better after about an hour, hour and a half. And they said, um, I think you're okay. What we you, you can go home now. Um, and uh, what we need you to do is come back in four hours' time. Because sometimes the initial tests don't show uh, what's happened. 
but there's a test that happens, an enzyme test that only four hours later you'll see what's happened to your heart. So you need to, and that was six o'clock in the evening, you need to come back at 10. So I said, okay, no, cool, thank you. And we got up, we, I got up and we went to the car and, um, and, and he said, no, she'll drive. I said, you want me to have a heart attack, you know? <laughs> so, so I drove. And as I got in the car, I felt that pain again. And, I, and we kind of sat there for a minute, and I said, no, I'm sure it's fine. Maybe it's just, you know. And, and we drove home, and I lay down. And, uh, and then at 10 o'clock at night, I was feeling fine. And uh, so, uh, and he said, come on, I'm going to take you to the hospital. I said, no, no, stay with the kids. It's fine, you know, I'll drive. And I went back to the hospital, and I'm just going to have the tests and come home. Yeah. And the doctor had said to me, it'll be quick. You know, you won't have to hang around. They'll just do the bloods and then. So they took the test at, at 10 o'clock, um, and then at 11 o'clock they weren't there, and at quarter to 12, a whole team of people walked in. And I thought, okay, no, the, the blood test didn't go well. <laughs> there was a cardiologist and uh, all sorts of specialists and whatever, and they said, you need an emergency uh, angiogram. Um, but because my, my medical aid didn't cover that hospital, they, uh, they couldn't do it. And so they said, we, we, we're getting an ambulance and we're transferring you to one of the hospitals that qualifies for you. And so they took me to Panorama <clears throat> um, at two in the morning. And first thing the next morning, uh, so I, I stayed in ICU. Um, uh, they, um, it's okay. Uh, they uh, did an angiogram. And an angiogram is um, an operation where they put, some, uh, they put something into your wrist that's like a big straw, like a sheath. Um, uh, and they put it kind of from, from here to here um, into the artery. And, and then that's kind of like a hose pipe almost. And then they take cables and they put them inside with a camera and with various other things. And they put them in under your arm and into your heart. And then what they do is through those cables, they pump dye. It's like this black dye. Um, and they've got all around you these big x-ray machines, kind of uh, live x-ray machines. So they can then get a 3D image of your heart. And uh, you're awake. All they do is they give you um, not quite enough an anesthetic in your wrist. <laughs> And uh, there's a huge screen up next to you here that everyone is looking at, and there's about eight or nine of these cardiologists and assistants and technicians and anesthesiologists and everybody around you, and they, they're all busy with this thing. Okay, so this, this is a, a, a photo that they took during that process of the right-hand side of my heart. And you can see that little red arrow there. Um, there's a a 99% blockage in the uh, main, uh, what do they call it? Coronary artery. This is, this, is not, this is not your aorta. It's not the thing where all the blood's going to, it, it's, but it's the thing that gives oxygen to the heart itself so that it can work. And so it was 99% blocked. Um, you can see it was blocked right there. Um, when we go to the next one, you can see what it's like after they put the stent in. And so now all of the, uh, the heart could have blood again and oxygen again. And so they did that immediately, um, and uh, it was fine. 
but they were very worried because for a long time, obviously, uh, my heart had not had blood on that side. Uh, and so they expected to see major heart muscle damage. And so the next morning they did something called an echo uh, scan um, and they, the technician does it. And so he, I kind of went in there and by this time I had, I had learned uh, with all these things that they put on you and so I had to, I had to shave completely um, because I was more scared of the ripping off of the uh, <laughs> monitors than of the operation itself. Um, and so he, he kind of put all this gel on and, with it, and, and he started to do the test and, and he did it and then he did it again and he wasn't a very talkative guy, you know, so I thought, you know, let me talk to him. I said, how's things going, you know? He says, can you just hold on, please? So I thought, okay. And then he said, no, no, hold on, something's not right. And so he went and he called the cardiologist and they both came in and then they said, okay, well, sorry, uh, don't worry. I said, it's too late now. And so they did the tests again. And uh, then they started looking at each other and then they started speaking in Afrikaans because they thought I can't speak Afrikaans. <clears throat> that's a, that's a, a trick that I learned, you know, when I first met Annie and her parents, you know, to fake inability to speak Afrikaans, you know, just to get information. <clears throat> anyway, they... Um, they were talking amongst themselves saying, we, we can't understand, like what's going on here, we must be missing something. And the cardiologist said to him, you know, do it again, yeah? So they did the test again. And the bottom line was, there's absolutely no damage to the heart at all, which was something of a miracle. Thank you, Lord. Um, the, there's another um, photo, which is the uh, left-hand side of the heart and that was a 75% blockage there. But they can't do both sides of your heart at the same time in case something goes wrong. And so they said to me, okay, please go home and rest for two weeks and then come back on the 17th of August and we'll put the second one in, um, which they did. Um, and so that side is now also got a stent in it and it's also all good. And uh, he then said to me, go and rest for another two or three weeks. Um, and then uh, you can come back and you can kind of start to live normally again and exercise again and raise your heart rate and, and, then, and then you'll come back for some more ECG, um, stress ECG tests um, and Graham has told me those are easy to pass so, um, and so there's, um, there's a number of health lessons that I've learned over the last few days that we can think that we're fine but we're not and that we can look fit and strong and healthy and be functional, and, but in fact, on the inside, we can be deathly sick. And we can convince ourselves and those around us that we're fine when we're not. It reminds me of Revelation where Jesus says, you say I'm rich and I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing, but you don't even know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. What I've learned is that the, the, the diet that I was on, the food that I was eating, I thought it was feeding me, but actually it was killing me. I realized that um, I was thinking the wrong way about health and diet. Obviously, I knew certain things were bad for me, like sweets and chocolates, 
I still ate them anyway. But I also had a number of misconceptions. I, I was deceived about physical health in some ways. Many of the things that, that I thought were good for me weren't. And many of the things that I avoided were the very things that would have given me health. And so I, because I thought wrong, I lived wrong. I didn't, you know, uh, what, I'm 46, I surf, um, you know, amazingly handsome. And I didn't question or check or research sufficiently and I, I didn't realize how urgent it was and what the consequences would be. What I learned is that the things that I ate, which was, you know, on a Sunday I would come here early, say hi to the worship team, drop off my daughters, and then I would go to Trekestelis and sit down with a coffee and a pastry or two and just spend time with the Lord and reading my Bible and, you know, um, pastries and pastas and pizzas. I just want to uh, correct Nick about the pizzas. Even in moderation, even the, the bran flakes and corn flakes and breakfast cereals and things that I thought I was being healthy, they didn't provide what my body needed. And so what that led to was uh, hunger pangs and cravings very soon after breakfast again. And the reason was because I wasn't getting the nutrients that my body needed from the food that I was eating. And not only that, but it also caused inflammatory responses and reactions inside of me. I was basically, little by little, poisoning myself. And so when I woke up, I thought that it was just back pain, but I really couldn't walk without taking two or four ibuprofens every morning just to, just to cope with the pain. But the reason was actually I was full of toxins and inflammation because of all the sugar and stuff that I was eating. And, and this wasn't an immediate thing, like, you know, I started eating badly yesterday and now I'm having a heart attack. This was the result of 20 years, at least, of poor choices. Slowly by slowly, bite by bite, mouthful by mouthful. And so my lack of nutrition and my diet led to me becoming fat on the inside and a little bit on the outside as well. Um, unhealthy. And to have heart disease that should have killed me. And there was no warning. I didn't feel bad before it happened. It just came like a thief in the night. And my time was nearly up. So my lack of knowledge of these things and my resulting lack of discipline led to what probably would have been a tragedy for certainly for Annie and the kids um, and for you guys that I love. Uh, it was so nice sitting in ICU. Uh, Ed sent me a message. Um, and he said, Lucas, I'm so glad that you're still alive. Um, 
I know it would have been better for you if you had been dead. <laughs> which is, which is theolo theologically correct. I laughed a lot. But Jesus. So, what practically changes? Well, I've in the last month changed uh, a lot. I've read and read and read and studied and learned about health and disease and diet and nutrition and the keys to living healthy physically. And I've been reading two books at the same time, one on physical health and one on spiritual health. And what I realized is there are actually huge parallels between physical health and spiritual health. The enemy of our bodies is disease. The enemy of our souls is deception or lies. Thinking wrongly and acting wrongly in either of those areas leads to sickness and ultimately to death. The key to our physical health is four things. Good nutrition, eating good real food. Number two, regular cleansing, drinking pure, clean water. Three, simple, careful, wise exercise. And fourthly, daily exposure to the sun to get vitamin D. And the keys to our spiritual health are exactly the same. Good nutrition. Eating the right food. The Word of God. Number two, regular cleansing. Repentance. And accountability. Three, exercising wisely. Living obediently to God. And fourth, daily time with the Son. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said in Proverbs, well, the Bible says in Proverbs, but it's the Word of God, so. He says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Ponder the path of your feet, and let your ways be established. Um, I'm at the end of my preach, but I want to just talk to you about one little thing that I've learned, if I can. And it's called this. It's called bread. In John chapter 6, verse 32, uh, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, 
I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, I heard some time back uh, when I lived in the Isle of Man and when I was about 20 kgs uh, heavier than I am now, uh, that there was a, an easy way to lose weight, and that was to do a banting diet. Anybody heard of that? Or a keto diet. And in that diet, what you do is you stop eating carbohydrates, basically. And you eat more proteins and salads and vegetables and that type of thing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a go. Because that means I can still eat meat and I can still have nice veggies. And so for a while, I adopted that diet. And I lost quite a bit of weight. And it was quite easy for me to lose that weight to the frustration of my wife. The problem was, <laughs> is that the, that diet doesn't give you all the nutri nutrition that you need. And so it's unsustainable. And so after three months or so, I started to cheat. Have you ever seen fresh bread <laughs> with, with butter? And so I thought to myself, okay, just, just one slice a week. We, we, had, we had a bakery in the Isle of Man. It's called Noah's Bakery. And so I thought that's biblical. And they would, they would, they would uh, make scrambled eggs on toast, on sourdough toast. And, and I would go there once, twice, three, four, four every day <laughs> during the week for breakfast. And you can't have scrambled eggs without. And so it ended up being... And then Annie made very nice puddings, you know. And so just once a week, you know. And eventually I was back fat and flourishing. And the problem was, I was trying to fix the problem of my weight, because I was fat, but I was ignoring the underlying reason, my health. And the problem was, I tried to fix the, not only the wrong problem, but I tried to fix it with the wrong solution. I tried to do it by cutting out bread and grains and carbohydrates of any kind. And it was the wrong answer. Now, I, I want to teach you about health because I've learned about it now a little bit. I'm not an expert by any matter of means. But one of the things that I've learned is that God has made certain food to be good for us. And it's natural food. And that plants like wheat and sorghum and all sorts of other beautiful rye and they produce what's called a seed. This is the stuff that Jesus and his disciples, when they were walking in the fields, do you remember? They, they took handfuls of it and they ate it, the wheat, on the Sabbath. And I learned that wheat is made up of three parts. 
There's the center part, which is where all the life of the wheat is, where the DNA is, where the minerals and vitamins and enzymes are. It's called the wheat germ. It's the nucleus of that seed. Then there's the outer part, which is the protective part. I'm nearly finished. This is not a health lecture. Well, maybe it is. It's called the bran, and it, it encloses the seed and protects it. And then there's the middle part, which is the white carbohydrate part of the seed, which is called the endosperm. And what I've, what I've learned is that the standard milling process, you know, 50 years ago, 80 years ago, every house or community had a mill. And they would bring their wheat and it would be milled into flour and then they would take the flour and bake the bread and eat it, right? That doesn't happen anymore. How many of you have a mill in your house? So do I. Now, The modern milling process takes that seed and it removes the bran, obviously because it doesn't look nice or taste as nice, theoretically. It's wrong, it actually tastes better. And they remove the wheat germ because the wheat germ will immediately start to go off after about two days. And if you leave it in the flour, it will make all the flour go off. So they remove the outer bit and the inner bit, and all you're left with is the white endosperm carbohydrate of the flour. And that is what they call brown flour or health flour. Then they take that brown stuff and they put in colorants and uh, preservatives and insecticides so that insects don't go for it. And they put package it all together and then you get white flour, which we buy and which we bake with. And with which all the bread, basically, that you can buy at the supermarket is made. And that's why bread is not good for you. Because all of the vitamin E and all the enzymes and everything that's supposed to be in that seed has been removed and it's been replaced by preservatives and uh, uh, poison, basically, to keep the insects away and to kill the bacteria. And then that's what we eat and that's why we wonder why our body reacts by pumping insulin in. And, and did you know that cholesterol is made by your body to fight against toxins. And so the more toxins you put in, the more cholesterol your body produces. In fact, those toxins, they attack the, the, the walls of your blood vessels and they become unstable. And so the body pumps out more cholesterol to go and support the walls of your blood vessels like they were supporting the walls of my blood vessels. And then it becomes clogged and then you die of a heart attack. Shani, can you please put up that photograph of the bread that I made? It's got holes in the bottom because there's little um, uh, things to mix it that go in there. It's, otherwise, it would look perfect as well as taste perfect. What I've learned is I tried to stop eating bread, and instead I, I, I ate things like bran flakes and you know, healthy, special K and whatever, which is basically that same wheat with the wheat germ removed and the bran removed, and then it's baked and flattened. 
it bakes to huge temperatures to kill everything so that it lasts in a packet for four years. And I wondered, why am I getting sick? Why is my body, why, why am I hungry five minutes after my cornflakes? It's because you ate something, but you didn't get any nutrition. So you eat again, and you don't get any nutrition. And you eat again, and you, your body stores it all as fat. But you haven't gotten the nutrients. And now I'm going to stop with a physical lecture. This bread, I now bake it in the morning, and I eat it. One slice, I'm totally full. I don't want to eat until 2, 3 in the afternoon. Do you have uh, a picture of porridge there, Shani? We're getting to the, the spiritual porridge. You can't turn it around. That's porridge. That's from oats that was milled in the kitchen there, from the seed of oats, milled, cooked in the pot, a bit of water, a little bit of milk, and uh, a couple of fruits and nuts. That stuff, you eat it one bowl, you don't want to eat until dinner time again. That's how full you feel. No hunger pangs. Only energy. Now, let's go back to the picture of the bread. This is when just one, and, and I'm not encouraging you to eat healthy. You make your own decisions about eating healthy. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will not go hungry and will not thirst. And this is why I was standing here and I was crying in worship. Because he was here with us. This life, guys, I'm 46. You know when those batsmen go in and he hits it and it gets the edge and the wicket keeper catches it and his innings is, is over. That's what happened to me except the guy dropped the ball. And now I'm standing in the crease and I'm thinking, yo, I've got another chance. And you know what I realized in the ambulance between the hospitals? There was a lovely uh, paramedic, lovely Muslim guy sitting next to me. And he was checking all my vitals and he was, you know, he was, are you okay, sir? I said, are you okay? And he looked at me and he says, I've never had a patient ask me that before. I said, what's your name? And we got talking. I said, what, what do you believe about God? Yeah. He said to me, why are you so happy? <laughs> I said, I'm excited. I might go to be with Jesus tonight. And he looked at me. He said, you're not joking, are you? I said, no, I'm serious. He says, can you please tell me about this Jesus? And we spent between Bloberg and Panorama talking about Jesus. And then praying together before we went out. And he came to the bed in the ICU and he said to me, Uncle, I said, hey. He said, Uncle, it's been a privilege for me to bring you here tonight. I said, no, the privilege was mine. And uh, two days ago, I heard that my friend, who is younger than me, Mike Fast, was taken into Constantiaberg Hospital. And he was diagnosed, diagnosed with acute leukemia. It's the type of cancer that most people don't make it 
seven days from when it's diagnosed. And the first thing I heard, it, I got in the car, drove there, just chat, sat and be, be with him, with him and his wife, and helped him with some admin and what to do. And I said, Mike, how are you? He says, you know, I'm excited. I might see Jesus soon. Yesterday, I had the privilege of being here. It was uh, Rosie's mum's memorial. And uh, this place was full of her family. Sons and daughters and cousins and friends. And uh, yeah, the atmosphere, you know, was full of life and joy and rejoicing because she is with Jesus. You know, that's the story of life. We start off like that little one, and in a second, the innings is over. And you know what the Apostle Paul says? He says, to live is Christ, and to, go, to die is gain. There's only one thing that we can eat that will give us life here and in the life to come. And it's the name, it's the person of Jesus. So I've made lots of changes. I've described physical ones. I've made some spiritual ones too. About my diet and my cleansing and about being in the sun and about obedience. Those are changes I've made. And um, I want to encourage you. Live healthy physically, but the body is of little value. Live healthy spiritually eat the bread of life and follow Jesus can we pray I know there's some of us here who maybe have never tasted Jesus you've never had the bread of life but you've heard today that he offers himself to us freely